This is Poetry for the Season with Sally Reed. Welcome to Poetry for the Season. I'm Sally Reed, poet and adorer, speaking to you from just outside Rome by the sea. Today, I want to share with you some sublime poetry from some of the greatest poets in history. Poetry that will help you feel closer to Christ. All of these poems are going to speak to us in some way of last Sunday's Gospel reading, where Jesus says something so important, something that really boils down to the only prayer. Abide in me and I in you. Imagine God abiding in you. How can something so infinite be within something so, well, limited? Well, Julian of Norwich gives us part of the answer. Now, Julian, as you probably know, was a 14th century woman who had showings, visions of Christ, while she was very ill. And she wrote them down in the text, which is called Revelations of Divine Love. The text isn't really poetry, But Julian, like all mystics, like God himself, was a natural-born poet. And as I always say, God communicates great truths to us through poetry. And that's exactly what he did with Julian, as she lay there so ill. Let's hear a little bit of what he showed her. So this is from Revelations of Divine Love. I saw that he is to us everything that is good and comfortable for us. He is our clothing that for love wrappeth us, claspeth us, and all encloseth us for tender love, that he may never leave us, being to us all thing that is good, as to mine understanding. Also in this he showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut in the palm of my hand, and it was as round as a ball. I looked thereupon with eye of my understanding and thought, what may this be? And it was answered generally thus, it is all that is made. I marvelled how it might last, for methought it might suddenly have fallen to naught for littleness. And I was answered in my understanding. It lasteth, and ever shall last, for that God loveth it. And so all thing hath the being by the love of God. In this little thing I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loveth it. The third that God keepeth it. God is enough, says Julian. And what of the hazelnut? Well, God made it, God loves it, and God keeps it. I guess what God is showing her is the preciousness of all creation, and especially her, and especially you. We are small, and spiritual smallness should mean we're able to be carried in God, to abide in him, and for him to abide in us. 
There's another image that springs to mind when I imagine that hazelnut in Julian's palm. And that's the Eucharist. Especially these days, now that we're all receiving in the hand. As we hold the host for the seconds before we consume it, we are looking at infinity in the palm of our hands. And then we are holding him within us. He abides in us. Wherever we are, whoever we are, no matter how uneventful or isolated or lonely our lives may be. Our next poet knew all about the uneventful life and being isolated. She was born in Amherst, Massachusetts in 1830, and in her lifetime, despite writing about 1,800 poems, published only about 10 or 20. I'm talking about Emily Dickinson, of course. Emily never married or left home, aside from going to school. As an adult, she became more and more of a recluse, until eventually she never left the house at all, and if anyone came to visit, she would speak to them through a door. She also developed a penchant for wearing all white, and all in all became quite a living myth in the town. What few people realised was that she was a genius of a poet. I wonder if you know her poems. If you don't, I can tell you that they're mostly extremely short and are very strangely punctuated, with lots of wild dashes, oddly placed commas and a jerky rhythm. They're also a bit like little riddles. The sense isn't always very obvious. Part of Emily's genius lies in the fact that she's absolutely unique, and that's a rarity in literature. Usually, poets move in packs. You know, we have the Romantics, the Modernists, the Sonneteers of the 16th and 17th centuries, the Metaphysicals. It's normal that writers influence each other and spark off each other and become friends. But Emily was very much alone, not just in life but in art, a complete original. So alone that although she was religious and contemplated God a great deal, she wouldn't go to church. Yet I guess that she longed for God to abide within her. The poem I want to read you isn't overtly religious as many of her poems are. It is touching and deceptively simple. It makes me think about carrying great things within ourselves of inner resources, if you like. None of Emily Dickinson's poems have titles, but the first line of this is, Have you got a brook in your little heart? By Emily Dickinson. Have you got a brook in your little heart, where bashful flowers blow and blushing birds go down to drink and shadows tremble so? And nobody knows, so still it flows, that any brook is there. And yet your little draught of life is daily drunken there. Then look out for the little brook in March, when the rivers overflow, and the snows come hurrying from the hills, and the bridges often go. And later, in August, it may be 
when the meadows parching lie. Beware, lest this little brook of life, some burning noon, go dry. Hmm, isn't it strange? I think that Emily had just such a brook in her little heart, and it was a fount of poetic inspiration and her faith. Yet, perhaps, she, like the Samaritan woman, was thirsty, was lonely. She knew she had to protect this streak of the divine in her, this poetic gift. But I wonder if she also knew that that brook is Christ, and we can all have him in our hearts. Now, I spoke earlier of 16th century sonneteers, and one such was Sir Philip Sidney. Philip Sidney was an Elizabethan politician, a soldier and a poet. My goodness, they really knew back then how to pack a life. He was the opposite of Emily Dickinson. I've pulled out this sonnet as it makes me think again of this idea of abiding in Jesus and he in us. It's a romantic sonnet, but as you listen, imagine that it's about you and God. Song from Arcadia My True Love Hath My Heart by Sir Philip Sidney My true love hath my heart, and I have his. By just exchange, one for the other given, I hold his dear and mine he cannot miss. There never was a bargain better driven. His heart in me keeps me and him in one. My heart in him his thoughts and senses guides. He loves my heart, for once it was his own. I cherish his because in me it bides. His heart his wound received from my sight. My heart was wounded with his wounded heart. For as from me on him his hurt did light, so still methought in me his hurt did smart. Both equal hurt in this change sought our bliss. My true love hath my heart, and I have his. <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's quite confusing with all the hearts and hurts and being wounded. But essentially what Philip's saying is that two wounded, hurting hearts can console each other and live within each other. You're both wounded in love, but at the same time you're containing each other and protecting each other and loving each other. That's so much like Christ. And here's the line to really sum up those words. Abide in me and I in you. His heart in me keeps me and him in one. Beautiful. Now, something that I've had little exposure to as a Catholic is the English hymn. You see, I live in Italy and we don't have hymns in quite the same way. We have kind of some traditional older songs and some contemporary songs, but I've never, the English hymn to me is something actually quite foreign as I'm a Catholic convert. So, I'd heard of this one, but I don't know the tune. And it won't surprise you to know it's Abide With Me, which was written by the Anglican minister Henry Francis Light in 1861. Apparently, a friend of Henry's was dying, 
And when Henry visited him, he heard him repeating these words over and over. Abide with me, abide with me, abide with me. This inspired Henry to write this beautiful song, and he himself repeated the same words on his own deathbed. The words in this instance are taken from Luke 24, when the disciples asked Jesus to abide with them as the day is now far spent. Such poetry. Let's listen. Abide with me by Henry Francis Light. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Not a brief glance I beg, a passing word, but as thou dwellest with thy disciples, Lord, familiar, condescending, patient, free, come not to sojourn, but abide with me. Come not in terror as the king of kings, but kind and good with healing in thy wings. Tears for all woes, a heart for every plea. Come, friend of sinners, thus abide with me. Thou on my head in early youth did smile, and though rebellious and perverse meanwhile, Thou hast not left me, oft as I left thee. On to the close, O Lord, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who, like thyself, can my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight, and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still, if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks, and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Wonderful. Now, I promise poetry by some of the greatest poets, and I cannot leave out William Blake. Blake was a poet, a painter, and a printmaker, and he called the human imagination the body of God. Blake was a Christian who didn't like organised religion, a bit like Emily Dickinson, and he was very aware of social injustice. His poems and his paintings are often mystical. He painted scenes from the Bible and Dante's Divine Comedy, 
And on his deathbed, he too sang hymns and described scenes of heaven. A woman who was a guest in his house at the time he was dying was recorded as saying, I have been at the death, not of a man, but of a blessed angel. I think there's no doubt that Blake was gifted with divine poetic gifts. He does what all great poets do. He tries to see with the eyes of God, the great patterns, the epic nature of existence, the connections between everything. I want to read you his auguries of innocence because it describes so well how infinity can fit inside us, how every small thing betokens something far larger. But we haven't got the time. <laughs> so what I'm going to do instead is read you a little bit of the beginning and the very end. <laughs> auguries of Innocence by William Blake To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. A robin redbreast in a cage puts all heaven in a rage. A dove house filled with doves and pigeons shudders hell through all its regions. A dog starved at his master's gate predicts the ruin of the state. A horse misused upon the road calls to heaven for human blood. Each outcry of the hunted hare, a fibre from the brain does tear. A skylark wounded in the wing, a cherubim does cease to sing. Now I'm going to skip to the last lines. <laughs> Bear with me. Every night and every morn, some to misery are born. Every morn and every night, some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to endless night. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye which was born in a night to perish in a night when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears, and God is light, to those poor souls who dwell in night. But does a human form display to those who dwell in realms of day? Wow, so wonderful, masterful. And I'm sorry that I couldn't read the whole thing to you, but I had to read the beginning because we even have a Julian moment there when he sees infinity in the palm of his hand. And of course we have Christ at the end when he does a human form display. So next time you receive communion, stop and look just for a second at that host in the palm of your hand and think of that. And as you go back to your seat, know that you contain infinity Jesus Christ himself. Remember, if you feel small, it's only so he can carry you. And he too made himself small enough to be carried in you. God is the poet, and you are a beautiful part of his poem. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for joining us for Poetry for the Season, Easter, with Sally Reed. This show is broadcast on Sundays at 2 p.m., Mondays live at 4 p.m., Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., Fridays at 1 p.m., and on Saturdays at 5.30 a.m. This show is available as a podcast on our website, RadioMariaEngland.uk or on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Tunes, wherever you can get your podcast. Thank you for joining us on Radio Maria England.